on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. I, I am in, under the incredibly strong belief that 401ks are basically a Ponzi scheme perpetrated by the government against middle and low class people. I, if my kids and my wife are truly my number one priority and I'm going to live my values, then I'm going to put that $300 away before I spend one other dollar on anything else. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings, coming back to you again here today with another incredible story. King Jason Van Dyne, my brother. How we doing? Hey, Chaz, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. We are here, and uh, your story, man, um, <clears throat> you have a reach that uh, that gets out there uh, across, well, it's a big industry, but but across a lot of uh, people in the industry. And so I want to I wanna get to your story, man. Tell us what kind of business that you have. So I own uh, Quest Wealth Strategies, which is a wealth and tax planning firm. And we specialize in bringing high level strategies, you know, that are usually reserved for wealthier people, you know, down to what I would consider the average American. Um, and that. we try to help them utilize those strategies to hit their uh, financial goals, and, you know, and kind of like reduce the stress in their life associated with money. Yeah, those two things, the reducing stress uh, related to money and planning and, and predicting wealth. I think are incredible uh, ways to serve people, especially since you, like you said, you've, you're able to help more of the masses. So I want to learn how you do that, but I want to know why, why, why take the strategies of the wealthy and bring it to us regular Joes? Yeah, I think it's, um, I, I think that America and the American system does a wonderful job, right? Specifically our, our brand of capitalism does a wonderful job of making wealthy people, right? We have a lot of the wealthiest people. Um, but I've, I've read statistics like for every one new millionaire that's created, three or four people fall from the middle class to the lower middle class. Wow. Um, and uh, and I, just, I don't in, in a democracy, right, where everyone gets a vote. I just don't think that's great for our society. Yeah. So, um, you know, one of the main reasons that we do what we do is, um, you know, I don't think I'm going to change the, the world or, the, you know, the country or make it better. But, you know, what I do think is that in, in some small way I can help equalize that table at least a little bit more than it is today um, for more of the of the average Americans. Um, so yeah. for example, our firm doesn't have a, um, a minimum to invest in, right? We have, an, uh, we're going to keep adding financial advisors and licensed pair of planners to be able to handle any client that comes in. So do we have clients with, you know, 50, 60, 80 million dollars? Yeah, you know, we do. But do we have clients with 120 grand that's a hundred that's all of the money they've ever saved and they really need us to be efficient with it and watch it yeah, yeah. You know, we've got a platform and we've got personnel and a, and a great team to be able to handle that yeah i i think that yeah obviously the the spectrum there is is big it's easy to say 80 million and 120 but the gap there is obviously just ginormous what, what do you find that is the I, I don't know the the what do you like what's in it for you type of a thing i, I and i mean by this like by helping lots of other people, I'm sure there's satisfaction of the, taking the 120 person to some sort of financial literacy, uh, uh, security, uh, reaching their goals. Like what, what, how is that different at that level than it is helping the guy go from, you know, 80 to a hundred million? Um, so I, I think you can really improve both of their situations. So the 120,000 person just has a different set of issues and problems than an, an $80 million person has. They both have issues and problems though. Yeah. So um, what I think the difference is, is how they view the help. The $80 million person knows everyone is, is happy to help them, right? And they're just looking for right. the right type of advice. The 120,000 person, 
our industry has not done the best job always of being fair and reasonable and, you know, being working in the best interest of the client and especially on the, on the lowest end. So, you know, how, I think the biggest difference is how happy those people are, right? You can see like they're like, you don't get a client with $80 million and you have a client with 120 grand and the people with 120 grand buy you Christmas presents. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and it's, it's not, so it's not that they, it's, it's not that 80 million is on easy street. Again, they have their own problems. Yeah. But the, the people that you're helping that really are not get, don't have a lot of other avenues to get really solid quality advice. They're just right. so thankful for it. Um, so it, it causes a little bit of a different relationship, you know, between yeah. them and them. That's interesting that you say that because, uh, you know, there's, you know, I think there's a lot of businesses out there that are are trying to only work with the best of the best because they can afford it. And typically, maybe it's a little easier or it's the 80-20 Pareto principle. But you're you're flipping the script here a little bit. And maybe the 80-20 is for you what you're doing, which is fine. Why do you find that that person who maybe the rest of the industry for so long has maybe mistreated in, in what you just said, why is that now valuable to you or why, 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 where is the availability? Uh, cause you said you're going to keep adding people. Um, I, I was reading in, uh, in your show notes here that, uh, you know, there's less people joining the industry every single year as financial representatives than, than people yeah. leaving. So it's like, there's this huge issue of people not going to be able to be helped coming in the future. And you're choosing to help uh, really everybody, but, but the, but the people that have never been helped before, get, like wh- wh- help me understand. <laughs> well, every consultant in the industry, if, they, if anyone ever watches me doing this, they're going to say this guy is an idiot and he does not understand how to, how to run a business. Um, because every, every consultant says, says that and says the same thing, right. right? They're all saying you need to literally, I mean, I've hired some of these people, right? And they say you need to fire the, for your same thing, Pareto principle of 80-20. You need to fire the lowest 20 to 40% of your clients, right? And then you need to focus on the wealthiest ones so that you can get referrals and you can become a specialist in, in right. just the wealthiest clients. Right. Um, what I hear when I when people say that is you need to take the people that have no chance of ever kind of having the same lifestyle that you have because they have helped gotten you there and now you're going to fire them from your firm, right? right. The people that, the foundation, they're the foundation of our firm. They helped me get to the, to the level that I'm at now. And the idea that I'm going to somehow abandon them or not work with them anymore, um, it, it just doesn't work for me. So, yeah. you know, on a client, and I mean, you know, without getting too specific into like the, the exact economics of it, but if you have a client with, with five, six, seven million dollars, you know, you're going to charge them much less, right? Per dollar of assets that you manage, they're going to be much more complex. The, um, the amount of time that you have to spend with them is not even close, right? It could be 20 times as much. Um, right. the, the level of staff that you have to have that helps support some of those more complex cases is totally different. So the economics of these larger, wealthier, more complex cases aren't maybe as amazing as everyone thinks, whereas the clients that are, you know, of, of average wealth, right? I mean, the people that are like yeah. your aunt, you know, that that just need some help and they've got $400,000 and really no one is giving them good, solid advice. They're just getting really high commission products. You know, you meet with them once a year, you tell them, you give them the advice that they need because they're not as complex, right? right? But you're still giving them really, really great service. You're there if they have a question, they can always call. Um, but the the team that you need, right, the complexity, the amount of time that you need to spend with them, it's all lower. So right. I don't see how if you don't, if you want to, as long as you're willing to create the team to service that, 
I, I don't see any reason why it can't be a, a business where, and again, we're not the Salvation Army. Like we're a for-profit company, right? I mean, yeah, they're, exactly. You know, they're, they're, that's a, it's, it's a profit center for us. And, um, that's right. and I think if you, can, if you can help people um, that you know, can't usually get it and, you know, have a healthy margin, I don't know why more people aren't doing that. But thank goodness yeah. they're not because it leaves way more. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. So, I'm so glad everyone keeps hiring these consultants. That's right. I love it. Um, and really, I guess I, I'm hitting on it because what I have found, at least at le- not not every business owner, of course, that's a really big generalization, but business owners that I know and business owners that I think of as the the backbone of this country, the ones that are probably listening to the show right now, are maybe they've got a couple million or 10 or 20 or 100 million, but but the majority of them are probably what we're describing. They've got a couple hundred thousand dollars or... Um, they're in the process of running a business that could produce that soon. And so they, what they need is somebody like Jason to give them real information is really what it comes down to, right? Because because otherwise they're just like left to Google <laughs> right. or here's, here's what actually happens. Or TikTok, even worse, right? Yeah. Like even worse, you TikTok yeah. guy. That's right. Don't don't read the whole thing. Just just get a snippet of it on TikTok. Fifteen seconds. You should be fine for your. Family. You'll be fine. You'll be a millionaire tomorrow. Um, right. <laughs> but I guess what I'm what I'm saying is that you know the the business owner who who I mean even is is making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. There's strategy for that person and right. the the higher wealth individual uh, or the financial person isn't necessarily spending the quality time with them. So let let, let me parlay this right into. Give us one of your, you know, one of the strategies that you guys are using right now for this, you know, regular Joe that we've kind of dubbed. Um, and maybe as someone who's listening, who's like, oh, man, I wonder what Jason could do for me. What's what's one of the wealth building strategies that you guys are using right now? Yeah, I mean, so for us, we really started strategy, not a, not a product. But for example, I, I am an, under the incredibly strong belief that 401ks are basically a Ponzi scheme perpetrated by the government against middle and low class people. Right. They they are there. You can make up up probably up to about $115,000 and still be in the, in the 12% tax bracket, which is super low, right? It's very, very competitive. So yeah. these people have been told to do your 401k you know, by everyone, right? And then people who love them, their uncle, their dad, right? The, the, the guy next to them at the cubicle or, or working at the plant that says, you got to right. do your 401k. It's probably good advice for a lot of people. But if you're, you know, an, an average American, right? You're making $100,000, $150,000. You're doing that. You're getting down into the 12% tax bracket. You're, you're saving 12 cents on every dollar that you put in. And then you're doing the right thing. Over time, it's accumulating into this huge number. But then when you pull that money out, 100% of it is taxable at an unknown future tax bracket. Right. Um, which is a huge problem. Most people are not in a lower bracket when they retire. I would say the majority of our clients are not. They're probably in the same, right, when they retire. So now you get this, this tax break on this little dollar amount that you contribute. You got to pay on the whole thing. And then Social Security, which... I know for people that are like, I'm, I'm 45 years old that are my age and younger are not really counting on it, but it's, it's there. Right. right? And I think it's yeah. going to be there in some way, shape or form. Well, social security is tax free, right? Where is as, as its base. But when you pull money out of your IRA, if you take out too much and too much is not a big number, a lot of times it's 15 or 18 grand, right? That money then causes your social security to be taxable. That's so not right. only are you getting taxed on your 401k, which is much, much, much bigger than this little amount that you put in over time because it's grown. But you got to pay the income tax on that dollar, plus it's causing all of your social security to be taxable, which will probably be several million dollars over your lifetime. Right. Um, you know, social security that that will be taxable now versus not. So, like even just the simple advice when someone is young or just starting a business on should you be doing a Roth 401k or IRA 
or a pre-tax 401k or IRA can make a gigantic difference over time. You know, so yeah. I mean, that's one of a million examples that again, for that would be for a very like typical client, just that advice. And we give it to clients, kids constantly, right? Well, yeah. they'll say, Hey, do you mind just talking to my kid for 10 minutes and just getting them on the right track? So they don't have all the problems, you know, especially single digit millionaires, man, they're, they're the most anxious of anyone. Right. right. I mean, I mean, people on uh, that have less than a million, they kind of know where they're at and they've, they've, they've generally kind of embraced that people with over 10 million are not that worried about money, but the single digit millionaires, man, they are, they're very, they don't have a big income because pensions are gone. They've got money, but they saw the great recession. They saw what happened last year. The market was down over 20%, you know, yeah. and they're nervous and they're uncomfortable. So, yeah. um, so for the, for the, the, for the average type of American, even something simple as that, where we're helping these clients and they said, please talk to my kid. Because I see how just a, the little bit of advice 25 years ago would have helped me avoid this whole situation. Yeah, you know, absolutely. We're itching at good decision making. And that's kind of where the show originally started was, you know, I, I just genuinely believe that we are where we are based on the decisions that we've made. And there's probably no better industry really than, you know, financial planning or wealth building that, you know, plays right into that thinking because, you know, I'm making decisions today based on my current situation so that my future is different financially and, and wealth wise. So what, I mean, you've got a lot of examples with clients, obviously you're building your own, uh, you know, financial situation. What's one of the best decisions that you've done, or maybe one of your, you've you helped one of your clients do that we can share with the listeners right now that they can start doing to build wealth. Yeah. I mean, it, it's really, really simple stuff. Again, it's not rocket science, you know? So like one of the things that I think is the coolest thing that a lot of like I'm doing and a lot of my friends are doing is we're doing 529 plans, which are college savings plans, but in our, in our name. Now I have, I have a doctorate, right? I don't, I don't need any more education, right? right. But I, I'm doing a 529 <laughs> plan in my name. Now I have twins that are nine years old. Okay. Right. So I don't have grandchildren anywhere near, right? Anywhere near the, the docket here. But right. I'm doing the 529 for each of my children so that they can go to college. But I'm also doing it in my name. The reason is it falls outside of my estate. So when I die, the government doesn't tax it. It grows tax free forever. There's no age limit. And I can transfer it to as many generations as I want without oh, wow. a tax event happening. Yeah. So we're not, and it's again, it's a super small amount of money. We're saving a whopping 300 bucks a month into our, into my 529, then I'm going to flip down to my kids who will then pay for my grandkids college. Right. But because, because I've got time on my side, I have 40 years to my grandkids may or may not go to college, right. Depending on if I have any, or if they go, but that 300 bucks a month at an 8% rate of returns, a million dollars in 40 years. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna have a million tax-free dollars to give to my grandchildren. And it's costing me $300 a month. I mean, people waste that on coffee. Yeah, right? seriously. You know what I mean? So I think there's just, there's so many little tiny things that you could really greatly impact, you know, one, two or three generations of your family yeah. that, that cost you the difference between buying a brand new car and a one-year-old car. Yeah. Right? And you're talking $10 million of tax-free money. <laughs> I mean, it's just the, the, the numbers are crazy when you start to really get, get time on your side and make, make small, good choices with forethought ahead, you know, thinking ahead. Yeah. What... This is just, this is really good. It's so simple, like you said, but I want to stay right here because this right here, who's listening right now, could change their life. And so this principle of doing the little things that we already probably have heard and probably know, saving 300 bucks a month in whatever strategy, (laughs) just, just doing it. What do you think is the thing that keeps people doing it? So like you kind of just painted this picture for the next 40 years, you're going to be depositing $300 at least 
into this account and it's going to be a million dollars. And it's cool to think about. And it's like, well, that's a million bucks. But, you know, naturally speaking in everyday life, like you said, really what I want is the $300 or more a month car or I want to buy right. the stuff, right? Because I want I want now more than really what I want later because so that's what, where my actions go. So how do I stay in the place of what I want 40 years from now is actually really what I want. So I'm going to take that action over and over and over. Yeah, I think it's, you know, I think the easy answer is just discipline, but that's not the real answer. I think the real answer is understanding your values and who you are as a person. My values are unbelievably clear, right? My kids are number one. I would say kids and wife, right, are number one. Um, my business or my, well, probably my health is number two and my business is number three. And those are the only three things I care about. And I literally do other than fantasy basketball, you know, hopefully the Pistons, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully the Pistons will do a little bit better this, uh, this year with Kate Cunningham back. But um, I love funny. fantasy basketball. But other than that, those are the only three things I care about. I don't golf. I don't play in a softball league. So, so to me, yeah. you know, I, if my kids and my wife are truly my number one priority and I'm going to live my values, then I'm going to put that $300 away before I spend one other dollar on anything else. Right. Yeah. And there's a there's a million of these like of, of these old books, like the wealthy barber, you know, back from 30 years ago. Right. And um, rich dad, poor dad, you know, against a very old book, but it's still applicable today. It just oh, basically yeah. says, figure out your values, save for those values, pay yourself first and spend all the rest. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I, and I to me, I don't I, I find that if you help clients figure out what their values are, getting them to save is not a problem. It's the people yeah. that don't know what their values are and what they're really trying to achieve. Those are the people that are just they're, They don't have a rudder, right? Uh, they're yeah. just going all over the place. Yeah. Just the same that you just said, as far as <clears throat> when someone's values are in alignment, they don't have a problem saving or you don't have a problem helping them save. It's the same thing in business. Like I don't have a problem right. helping somebody see things differently or as far as the action that they should take or, you know, the strategy that they should use in their business. Once the values and like the bigger picture is, is clear. For you, in this in that example you just gave, I, I just want to dissect this a little bit. You're just giving us really, really good stuff. You gave the the ladder there of your priorities. Okay, fine. So your wife and kids here. And then you gave the example of because they're number one, I'm going to save that $300. Someone might be listening today going, well, that's also my number one. And because they're my number one, I'm going to spend that $300 on the pool or a vacation <laughs> Or you know, an experience, which is, I think, also valuable. And I think even, like you said, for 45 and younger, the experiences of life are right. are becoming more and more important as opposed to the like planning for legacy. How, where does that fall for you individually or personally and then and for your clients? Yeah, so I think for me, I, I'd, I'd love to do both. I mean, my kids and, and actually my 82-year-old mother and my wife and I went and stayed for a week in the Amazon over Christmas with an indigenous tribe. And wow. To the Galapagos, you know, and like went snorkeling with 500 pound sea turtles in the open ocean. Right. I what? mean, so look, I, I'm, I couldn't be more on board with the experiences, but those experiences fall inside of my budget. Right. I, I have, yeah. I have paid myself first and the money that I have left, I can go spend on those experiences. And it doesn't need to be the Galapagos islands, you know, over new year's. Right. It right. doesn't have to be, it could be, it, it could be reading. Uh, my son had a lot of trouble reading. He, he was in Montessori and then he went to, to uh, uh, private Catholic um, elementary school and he just, he was in like the 10th percentile. So we read Harry Potter every single night, every single night for 17 months straight. That stack of books is gigantic. If you've ever seen it, right? And this little dude sat next to me and he would watch me read all the words so that he could yeah. start to, to, to really correlate the words to the book. That That's is right. almost free. 
Yeah. Right. And that is one of the most valuable experiences I have with my kids. Yeah. So what I would say so is, yeah, those experiences are super important, but you don't need to keep up with the Joneses on your experiences. That's right. right. Those experiences could be a, a Friday night pizza night and playing Monopoly together. Right. Yep. They, they don't have to be a pool and, you know, these wonderful vacations. I mean, if it's in your budget, awesome. Knock yourself out. You've, you've done some things in life right. And, and you can afford those things. But those experiences, I, I just don't think need to be super expensive. I mean, a lot of the yeah. the most valuable things I've ever done with my kids were, were almost free. Yeah, no, it, it's I think I think we could probably just live right here the rest of the show and provide so much just real like honest, you know, like as as dads who both have been financially successful, but realize that like, hey, look, like, you know, I, I said years ago when we I mean, we've got four kids, the oldest is nine. And so 10 years ago, when we we're about to have kids, people are like, oh, it's going to be expensive. And it's like, not really. I've learned now, not really. Uh, most people just have the wrong view of money or what to spend their money on, especially when it comes to kids. Um, okay, so I'm hearing you say some really good stuff, which is pay yourself first really was the answer there, which is also <clears throat> part of pay yourself is pay the future you or the future family or the future grandkids or you know whatever yeah. is part of that. Whatever, you, whatever is you know, whatever's high on your value scale, right? That's what you should yeah. do. Yeah. But the idea of paying yourself first is, is a principle. Uh, you'd mentioned a couple books, the uh, you know, richest man of Babylon. This is, this is the, this is the straight from that book as well. So this doesn't go very far. What do you think helps your clients do that? Pay themselves first, because that, this is a, this is a new concept for many, many people, probably a lot of listeners they are going, what do you mean? Pay myself first. And how do I do that? Right. Yeah. I mean, pay yourself first is incredibly simple. It is fund your goals before you live for today. Right. And that's whatever that goal is, right. That could be charity, right. A lot of our clients are super charitably inclined. That could be, I mean, I, I have clients who are like, I will work part-time in retirement until I'm 80, as long as I can send my kids to college. Right. That's their value. Right. They, they yeah. care about that. I have other clients that say, you know what, I worked my way through school. I'm going to retire. My kids can work their way through school and they don't save a dime and they, they might have $5 million sitting in, the, in you know, in investments. So, right. um, so paying yourself first is just figuring out your value ladder, right? What, what do you value the most? And then saving towards that, realizing this is my number one, this is kind of who I am as a person. This is my priority right. and I'm going to save to that. And then, um, you know, kind of how you save that. And that's where I think a good financial advisor comes in, which is, you know, how much should you be saving? Where should you, right? There's all these places. Should you be buying crypto? Should you go on TikTok and buy a rental house? You know, should you be buying gold because the U.S. government's going to collapse, right? You hear a lot of crazy things. Um, so I think a good advisor, that's where they come in, is they start with the dollar amount um, as well as the vehicle. And then you kind of, I mean, right. product just kind of answers itself, right? But yeah. the dollar amount and vehicle, I think are super important. Yeah, I think you gave a really good example there of why someone would want to reach out to a financial advisor, uh, I mean, ideally you, but the scenario here of not necessarily like that, not the product per se, although yes, that's your expertise, but it's more of a, how do I align with what my goals are and how do I take the money that I'm earning and put it into whatever vehicles that you would suggest as the expert to help me get what it is that you've helped me align myself yeah, with. Right. right. Yeah. And that's where I actually, um, and I, I was, I was so, I did it in such the wrong way. I published the book like two weeks after chat GPT came out so now and it, it took me two years to write it and I could have done it in AI probably in 10 seconds. So I, 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 I absolutely hate myself for, for doing it two years early. But um, the name of it is Robot, dork, Robots, Dorks, or Old Men. Who should okay. be giving you financial advice? 
because there's not just one, you know, when you go to a doctor, so, so Chaz, if you had, um, if you got diagnosed with cancer, what kind of doctor would you see? Um, probably not an arm specialist. Yeah. An (laughs) oncologist, right? If you had a skin problem, what kind of doctor do you see? Yep. Dermatologist. Dermatologist, right? You got a foot problem. So, so a lot of industries really have this where if you have a specific problem, you go to a specific person. In my industry, you can work at a bank and you can tell people, hey, take money out of your CD and buy this fixed annuity. Or you could have a doctorate, a certified financial planner, be a published author, be in the top 1% of the country and the biggest broker dealer that there is, offer super high level AI driven recommendations. That's him, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's that's And, um, And you're still just called a financial advisor. Right. right. So there's there's so many different types of advisors out there and people don't realize that. Um, so so that's why um, the book kind of covers like all of the different types and then and then gives recommendations and checklists on like who to go to. You know, so yeah. who should you be actually hiring? What type of advisor? Here's a checklist of stuff you should find on their website. Here's a checklist of things you should ask in the meeting. And if everything looks good, you've probably found someone that could help you, you know, yeah. in, in an efficient way for your specific situation. Yeah, I love that. I think that there's transparency in that. I think that especially speaking from a like business owner, my own experience, but then also just other conversations I've had with business owners, it's like we leery is not the right word, but it's like, man, <clears throat> I need all my money to grow my business. And so it's like giving giving money to other vehicles is yeah. it's not difficult. It's just a different way of thinking. It's a little bit more of a diversification. Would you add some other maybe adjectives here of like why I'm thinking business owner who's listening today is going, oh man, but I need capital. Why would I give it to you? No, I, I totally agree. And it's a, it's a, it's a balance like anything else in life. And I, I have to deal with this myself, right? I mean, I like the yeah. building that I'm in, I just, I bought this a year and a half ago, like this beautiful, you know, 6,000 square foot, three-story building in like our cute little downtown here in Rochester, Michigan. And it's awesome, right? But I had to decide, do I do that or do I take this money and save it? Or do I take it and hire another staff member to try and drive business? Do I do more advertising? Exactly. A dollar only goes so a dollar can only go one place, you know? Yeah. So why why I've always done it in my personal life, which again, I, I don't know is a good answer to why everyone else should do it. But why, why I've always done it is I, I've always thought, I hope to have a big liquidity event with my business at some point. Right. But I may also be able to grab my phone, click it, and have a hologram come up giving you financial advice in three years, right? Yeah. And my business is worth nothing, right? Forget, you know, what I think it could be worth, right? right. It's worth nothing. So to me, I, I want to grow my business. And that is like my dream or my aspirational money, right? Is yeah. if I ever going to sell it. But if I sell my business for zero, I can still hit all of my goals in life, right? I can yeah. pay for my own retirement because we're doing, right, all these retirement plan savings. You personally, as our own family, I can send my kids to college and I can send my grandkids to college. And we're actually doing some stuff. Um, if you own a business, you can pay your kids and put that money directly into their Roth IRA. That's so right. My kids are nine years old and I've been putting into their Roth IRA for two years because they pick weeds here in the building. Yeah, that's right? right. So I pay them for that. It's totally legal and reasonable to do. And 100% of that money goes to their Roth IRA. Again, it's it's maybe a little bit more than the the, the college for the grandkids, but it's, it's, it's about 1100 bucks a month. Um, but that's the difference between buying a brand new Tahoe and a three-year-old Tahoe, right? Yeah. I can drive a three-year-old Tahoe. I don't care. <laughs> totally. So, you know, and that, and at an 8% rate of return between now and the time my kids retire, let's say at 68, it's 10 million tax-free dollars each. Wow. Right. And like, I can drive an older or not as nice car. Right? So to me, those are the things, again, I want to put capital into my business, but 
I want to make sure that my kids and our family are also set. And I think if you put all of your eggs in that one basket and anything goes wrong, it's over. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so to me, I want to be able to hit all of my goals with real money and the business if I ever sell it, because I count on the business for income. I can't count on the business for income, retirement, liquidity event, my kids, my grandkids. You know, I don't think right. I, I think that's asking a lot of my business. Right. I, I need to do that myself personally. And then yeah. my business is just my play money at, at the end. Yeah. I mean, what I'm hearing, Jason, is personal responsibility or extreme ownership. And I, I hope this hits the listener right, because <clears throat> I'm not hearing you say, don't be risky and put it all in one place and and poo-poo on the ones that go all in in business. What I'm hearing you say actually is, no, I'm going to win, <laughs> period. And because of that, because I need to make sure that I'm going to win, because I'm a freaking winner, I need to do other things so that I guarantee my success, um, which is what we do as winners. It, and, and maybe it's multiple businesses. Maybe it's the investments alongside. Maybe it's the reason why you're, you've got the, the 529 in your name, as well as what you're doing for your kids. Like we just do things in layers to guarantee success. Talk about this principle because it's not you hedging your bets and like, Oh, well, if this doesn't work out, I'll have like, no, no, you're just guaranteeing your success. You're going to freaking win. Hey, Kings and Queens, Chaz Wolf. I want to talk to you about something that's super important to me. We put a lot of time and effort, we meaning myself and my team, into this podcast, into the content that goes out every single day. And if you have been getting any sort of value or insight from this, we want it to be able to reach other business owners too. So we would love if you would like, comment, share, leave a review, post, share again, <laughs> all of the things on social media, on all the different platforms or even on the podcast mediums of Apple and Spotify. We would love to be able to get our content into more hands, more entrepreneurs, so they can grow their business as quick as possible. Together, we are building a community of like-minded entrepreneurs who are committed to growing their businesses to new heights. So let's do this. Let's help each other. Let's help each other grow. No, I mean, I'm, I'm all 80, probably 85% of my net worth is my business. Right. I mean, so I'm not, it's, it's not like my business is like some small thing that I, it's like a hobby. Right. I mean, it's still the thing that I do 40 to 70 hours a week, you know, depending on the week and and that I, I couldn't be more all in. And if I didn't do this job, I would honestly probably go like epoxy garage floors. Right. <laughs> something with no regulation that I can just do in the summer in Michigan and then leave for the winter. Right. So like I have no backup plan. Right. I'm not it's not like I'm hedging my bets. It's just I also you know, people talk about passive income constantly. And I don't know that a business is a really good passive income tool. Quite frankly, I work hard in my business and I think I will for a while. Right. Um, but I can tell you my 401k this year is up 20%, right? I didn't, I literally didn't have to work for one second for that. Right. So I, right. I think the, the true passive income and the true security comes from diversifying into financial assets and yeah. then being efficient from a tax and investment and a cost perspective. And then again, not that you shouldn't go all in on your business and not that you shouldn't, you know, really commit to it, but, um, I think, I think people use it as a crutch, quite frankly. And they're like, no, 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 my business is going to be, I think it's lazy. I, I honestly, if I could, I, I mean, I don't, I hate to say that, but if yeah. you are, if you're just saying, oh no, no, no. When I sell my business, when I sell my business, when I sell my business, what you're saying is, is I'm not willing to sacrifice any of my cash flow today. I'm just going to go enjoy right. myself because I work hard and I'm not going to, I'm not going to save for my own future. And I'm just going to let hope my business handles it. I think it's a totally yeah. lazy way to go. And if you're not, if you're doing that, I, I, I would, um, I think that's a mistake. Well, it's just less calculated. And I would even challenge that to say, <clears throat> I don't even know what the percentage of people 
that say that as much as it, they haven't even thought about it. They haven't <laughs> thought about necessarily <laughs> the end result. They're just spending all of their money and not even thinking about what 40 years from now looks like, you know, yeah. what, what would you say to that guy? Like who, who just really hasn't thought about the future or ha- hasn't, doesn't have these habits of, I mean, okay, you're talking about paying myself first, but why? Like, I don't even have a goal for 40 years from now or for my grandkids. Like, how do I start thinking yeah, like that? I, I don't even know. Well, first of all, I don't even know. I probably will never meet that person. Um, <laughs> so, I, so I don't know if I will ever talk to them. But what I, what I think can help address some of that issue where we wouldn't have to talk to those people is financial literacy. Um, yeah. And I, so I, I'm, a, I'm fairly passionate about that as well, where like I, I founded and I chair the, uh, the Wealth Planning Foundation where we give, um, where we go in and like talk to high school groups, you know, about things like what's credit card debt and should you be using student loans to go on spring break? And, you know, like just right. simple things that no one really talks about. So, um, so we've got a charity and then we allow, um, we have people write in about their experiences and we give, you know, relatively small scholarships to the, to the letter that we like the best. Um, we got away from that a little bit in COVID, but we've been doing that for, you know, probably 12 years. Um, we also have, um, there's a college, uh, locally here. Um, so I love to support my local community. Uh, I think that's very important, especially Michigan has had some hard times. Um, so I, I, we love to support our community and we have a small school here with about 1500 kids, uh, Rochester university. And, um, and actually in Michigan, there are financial planning degrees that you can get, but none of them are within 150 miles of Detroit, which is where 90% of the wealth is and 70% of the people. Wow. Um, so why would you go get a financial planning degree in some small little town where there's no financial planners, right? How are you right. going to get internships? How are you going to network? How are you going to get mentors? So yeah. I've been talking to the school about it for a while. And actually next month, um, we've already announced it, but next month we're doing the, you know, the big scissor ribbon cutting. Yeah, um, for the uh, for the Van Dyne financial planning program. Wow. Um, so we actually have a financial planning degree that they agreed and they started and then I endowed this year. Um, wow. So now we're bringing in, we're offering, you know, so what I'm hoping is that there's going to be less and less of those people because telling them is one thing, right? Kind of giving them a fish, teaching them how to fish is one thing. Yeah. But creating fishermen who can go and teach other people how to fish. That's right. right. I mean, our firm might impact a couple thousand people, but if I can graduate 15 kids a year from this program, right, who are then all impacting a thousand people each, you know, maybe several thousand over their lifetime. Right. I mean, hopefully I won't ever have to have the conversation with the guy who doesn't, you know, who's not doing anything because we create an entire ecosystem locally of people who are educating the public and who are who are trying to articulate that it's a priority. Yeah. Well, that's the biggest piece is that it, what is it? And then now it becomes a priority. Um, I love, I love what you're doing there, man. That's so unique. Um, obviously there's a huge like emotional tie there just of helping people, um, kids. And actually it's like 20 years in advance to what things will eventually swing back to, you know, like things always come and go in seasons. And so the season that we're, you know, kind of coming into is, well, <laughs> we've been in it, but like, oh, the overspending, the lack of awareness, the really just <clears throat> free for all when it comes to money, that will change because that, that won't end like great. You know, um, there will be some sort of an event that uh, creates awareness again. And you'll have already been working on this project for years and years at that point where yeah. you're going to be part of the solution um, in that moment. So I just totally commend you for being a, a forerunner, uh, in that that's, that's really, really cool. I want to, I want to ask you before I kind of <clears throat> wind this thing down, 
I wanted to ask you a bad decision, something that you've made or something that you've seen people do when it comes to wealth building that uh, yeah. we, we can stay away from. So I, th I think in general, um, I, don't, I don't know about a bad decision in wealth building, but I think like a bad decision, like I think about it in terms of my business, right? Sure, so yeah. bad decision. I think, the, I think one of the worst decisions that people can make is lack of mentorship. That's um, good. And I, I really, I, like I, I came from a household, my dad is an immigrant, my mom, which nationally you might not know what this means, but it's a Polak from Hamtramck, meaning it's like a first ring community of 900 square foot houses that all the Polish people live in. Wow. Um, you know, and, and neither of them went to college. I would suspect one didn't graduate high school, but neither will cop to it. Um, <laughs> you know, so I, just, I, I never really had any mentorship at all. Um, yeah. And I, I look at like where I ended up after college, which is a terrible place. And, you know, it, it really cost me years and years and years of my career that I that I could have, um, I think, been probably adding adding more value. Um, but so that's what I think between, you know, our work with the charity and talking to these high school kids and, you know, the the school of business or the school of financial planning. Right. And kind of working with those kids and and not only, you know, putting my money where my mouth is like we had an intern this summer from that program. We're hiring wow. that intern. Right. Starting. Uh, he's, he plays soccer. So they've got like their little training camp. Um, you know, and then we've got, you know, we're going to bring him back and we're hiring him for the school year. Right. So we're, we're, we're not only providing, you know, that mentorship, but actually doing it, you know, instead of just talking to him once a year, which I do as the chairman of the advisory board, but instead sure. of just talking to the group once a year, you know, each cohort, each, each grade, I can, I can, I can interact with this person every day. Right. And I can hopefully have a positive impact on his life and whether he stays, you know, here at a quest wealth or whether he goes to some other firm, you know, hopefully he's still doing, you know, all of the right things and he's got the right compass and he's still helping people. Right. And, yeah. and you multiply that by 10 or 15 kids a year for 20 years. And, you know, hopefully that's an impact, you know? Over yeah. Time. Yeah. You actually gave, you gave the uh, mentorship ladder really, which is you got to get people that can help you. <clears throat> so individually you did that or you didn't have that. I didn't necessarily have that, but we've since then found that. I'm sure in people that have been able to help us and we would have done it sooner if we had just known. So for the listener, if you don't have a mentor or uh, someone that's further down the road that you can be around regularly, that's what I heard Jason say. Uh, you got to do that. But then the second step is meeting around people that are uh, peers, you know, like, and that could be just right here. Um, you know, we can, we can, we can bounce ideas off of each other and be peers and help each other even on a podcast. Uh, or maybe there's, there's other opportunities for you in that. But, but then what Jason really said was, you got to look back and you got to be, you got to be mentoring people behind you and bringing them, bringing them forth. Because in fact, actually that's probably the most powerful is that when you have something inside of you, even if you've been super disciplined and successful, those things come out like a hundredfold when you start teaching people or start mentoring other people behind you. So not only is it really, really good to help people, but it's like a selfish thing too. I was actually just listening to this huge motivational thing. While I was working out at the gym this morning and, um, uh, um, Oh gosh, comedian, bald head, uh, Family Feud. Um, what's his name? Um, oh my, oh my gosh, why am I drawing a blank on this? Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey. Yes, yes. So he's he's in this this video talking about this right exact thing. He's like, you know, look, you can do it for other people. That's great. But he's like, I help other people for me because it right. makes me feel great. No, of course, um, there's there's the other people involved as well. But I just love the ladder that you gave there. You gave a really full perspective of what mentorship looks like. If someone wants to like go after those things, either find a mentor or start mentoring other people. What would you give as advice for the person listening? Be around young people, right? I mean, just, you got to get around, um, you got to get around young people because they're the ones that are going to soak it up and they're going to learn, you know, people my age, I, 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 I think, I mean, I would love, I, I keep looking, I feel like I've, I've, um, I don't want to say past, but 
I feel like the value of the different mentors I've had has diminished over time as I have gotten to levels that they um, can't really help you as much with. Right? Sure. So, yeah. so I believe I always need new ones, um, you know, even at this age. But I don't think a lot of people feel that way. Um, so yeah. I think if you're looking to really have an impact, you know, time is your friend. You got to get around and whether it's I mean, it, it can be, you know, given that like you have four kids, right? If you got a, this 16 year old or 17 year old babysitter that's coming over to help watch them and like you can give them three or four pieces of advice like that's mentorship. Yep. Right. So I think it's just making yourself available and maybe yeah. even a little bit vulnerable and saying like, yeah, well, I struggled when I was your age. Like I'm I'm not real bright. I went to community college. Right. So I talked to a lot of kids who are not the 4.3 students, right, um, from yeah. all these AP classes. And I said, look, man, you know, like I was in your boat. I did horrible in high school. I never even took the ACT or SAT, went to community college. And like, but look where I am today. You know, like yeah. you can you can change the direction of your life, um, especially if you're still like 17, 18, 19 years old, right? I mean, oh, maybe yeah. at 40, I don't know. You know, probably a little bit. But if you want a mentor, if you want to help and be a mentor, you know, you've got to figure out a way to get, involved with with the younger people because they're the ones that want it and, and quite frankly i think need it the most yeah i think i think that principle that you just described is is the desire the want and so yeah i think it, you know someone listening right now who's 40 who wants to change sure yeah of course you can you're gonna have a lot more stuff to undo but that's okay greater desire overcomes lesser desire just like what you're saying in the kids is like they just don't have as much <clears throat> you know stuff to undo or unlearn um, it's just all uphill and so, or up, you know, in, in the upward trajectory. So, okay. What, what's a good resource? You've mentioned your book. We'll definitely put that in the show notes as well. Do you have a favorite book or a favorite podcast or something that you've spent money on that you've gotten value from? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I, I'm, see, I'm, I'm older than probably the average person that comes on here. So a lot of the books that were really impactful to me are, um, are a little bit older. I mean, I think from a business, if you're, you know, this is a business podcast, right? I think if you're in business, the two books, in 20 years ago that really, really made a big impact on me is when I was getting my MBA, um, the world is flat, really, really had an impact on me, right? Which the, the internet was not obvious back then, right? And what it would do to the world was, was right. not as obvious, you know, 20 years ago. Um, and the idea that there was some kid, there was a billion kids in huts, right? In China and in India that were like killing us in math and we're going to come take my job. Um, was real, was eye-opening, right? You'd never really had that before. You were competing locally and maybe nationally. Um, but the, the idea that you needed to find, I think what was incredibly valuable is the idea that you need to find a skill that you have, regardless of what it is, right? If it's telling people how to epoxy their, their garage floor and you're awesome at it, you'll be successful, right? Yep. It doesn't have to be going to get you know multiple degrees or, or, in a, or even in a white collar, I don't think, um, industry. So you, know, you need to find a skill that you can do better than a billion other people who wanted who want your piece of the American dream, yeah. right? And and I think that's what the world is flat taught me. And then I still like Tim Ferriss. I know that I'm old, and but man, that forty hour work week book really, I think it helped me. It helped teach me how to delegate. Oh and, sure. You know, even and again in financial services, you can be pretty big, but not have a lot of employees. So we have like fifteen employees, assuming they're all working a forty hour work week, which. I think some, you know, are a little, little questionable, but, uh, but assuming they are right, 15 people working 40 hours a week is 600 hours. You throw right. a little bit of time off for the kids in a vacation. That's as much as I can work in a quarter of the year. Right. right. I mean, these people are doing it every single week. So I think the 40 hour work week taught me how to delegate um, in order to have, have that team, right. It's an amazing team of professionals working for, for our clients, which yeah. no matter how good I am, I can't work 600 hours a week. There's only 168. 
That's you right. know, so, so they can be doing the work. So I think that 40 hour work week taught me that and the world is flat really told me to find one skill and just do it way better than everyone else. And then Tim Ferriss told me and everything else that you do push off to someone else. That's right. That's right. That's leverage is yeah. what that is. <clears throat> what about, uh, you, you've mentioned your family. Um, I have this, this, uh, notion, uh, of that, I just don't believe in balance is really what it comes down to. I'll just be straight. Uh, I like, I like work-life obsession and the way that you've even yeah. described your life. I, f- I feel like we're in alignment here, but what I want to know is clearly you're obsessed with your business and helping people. We've just talked about that for the last half hour. Cool. But like, <clears throat> how have you also been obsessed with your family and your marriage even at the same time? You give us a couple examples of being intentional with your kids. What else can you give to us that you've been like all in at the same time and, and not having to like, you know, Pick one or the other. I I had a discussion with with a close um, male member of my family recently who basically said, you take all these trips, but you don't really do stuff with your kids. (laughs) Um, And and we take about eight weeks vacation a year, almost all international. Um, And we're like, you know, my kids are young, right? They're like, hey, dad, can I sleep with you tonight? Right? Like I am literally spending on a two week vacation. I'm spending over 300 hours like directly with them every single minute of the day, right? You can't get away from them, right? You can't, there's no like other room to go to. You just have a hotel room, right? So, so I think, you know, I think to me, it's just how can you have experiences with your family? But on these vacations, I'll still work two or three hours a day, right? Because the kids can go to the pool with their mom and have an awesome time. They don't need me to necessarily be there. So I think I can, I can, you know, you mentioned like saying earlier that your business is almost like a secondary thing. Obviously to me, it's not right. So I can, I can 1000% commit to my business and work every single day on vacation for a couple hours. My kids don't notice I'm gone because they're having an awesome time doing something else. And then I can be with them out of the 330 hours in two weeks. I can be with them the other 300 and I can still be obsessed with my kids, be obsessed with experiences and be obsessed with my business. And I don't think I have to give up on anything, right. To, to be able to do that. It's just finding activities, right? Like I picked my daughter up from, from cross country last night. So my wife had some volunteer things. So she dropped my son off at the office. Him and I went to the gym. We did multiplication flashcards. Uh, we took the dog, my dog's laying right here, right? We took the dog for a walk and I, um, and I worked for about 40 minutes and then we went and picked up my daughter. And then while they're in the car driving home, he did flashcards with her because I, I didn't have the ability to, to find the time to do that with her practice schedule. Um, so again, I think I could be super committed to my health and go to the gym, super committed to my kids and do a ton of stuff with them. And even then during that time, my son had his Nintendo switch for 40 minutes. Maybe I'm a horrible parent because I did 40 minutes of screen time, but they're in farm camp during the day this week. So I feel like it, it is a little bit of a, it, you know, it's a little bit of a keeping them even. Um, so, so, and I, and I worked, so I, I feel like I was able to do again, to live my three values yeah, that's all right. in a three hour period of time and not sacrifice any, any of them, you know, and, yeah. uh, and I was able to do everything I needed to do. Yeah, I, I really feel like you did a great job there. The second, like nothing secondary to us as entrepreneurs, like we're just obsessed. That's why I, I love that word. Um, you can't have a secondary family or a secondary business or like, <clears throat> it, we're just all in. I don't know if we know how to do it any other way, really, is what it comes down to. And yeah, so I th- now I, with four kids, I don't know how you do it, right? Which is <laughs> a lot easier. I, I'm not sure how you do it with four. It blows my mind. So whatever you're doing, congratulations, because I'm not sure I could do that. Well, I, I think it's the same, honestly. But uh, the one thing that you said there that was pretty funny was that whoever whoever had the audacity to tell you that um, you know taking trips and not spending time with kids because when <laughs> when you take family trips, it is pretty much everything is the kids, and and the younger they are, the more 
maybe quote unquote work that there is. We just got back from Bermuda. In fact, Gathering the Kings did a family mastermind where several families got together. And it's like, I want to network with guys like Jason. Yeah. And I want my wife and my kids to be in the same room with your wife and your kids. And so I just was like, I'm just going to facilitate this thing. So we went to Bermuda and we're going to do another one in Cancun coming up here. But it's like in these moments, like that was real work for Julie and I, like real work. And I'm not yeah. talking about the mastermind piece. <laughs> I'm talking about just getting our four kids onto flights to New York City, onto the boat, to the cruise ship, yeah. all the way to Bermuda and back. But you want to talk about memories and time spent together, everything that Jason just gave to you guys. This is how you do it. And guess what? While we were there, I was facilitating some masterminds and we were working on marriages and I brought in some experts and I created relationships. We yeah. were doing it all. You can have it all is, it, is what Jason said. And everything I did is almost free, right? My gym membership, I'm going to pay for either way, right? So right. Is, uh, my so daughter's cross country. I don't know what it costs in tennis shoes and shorts, you know, but um, you know, it just doesn't, it doesn't have to be. So, so you asked earlier, like how do, how do you tell people to give up on experiences? I don't think you do. I just think, You've got to have the experiences that your budget allows while still saving for your values to create um, a, a more balanced and, and less stressful life. It's mic drop right there. I got one last question here for you, brother. Um, I want to know if you had the opportunity to whisper into the younger Jason's ear. Oh. What would you tell? <laughs> what would you tell that guy? Oh man, I, I honestly, I think um, it's. It, because I didn't have the mentorship. And again, it's not a knock on my parents. Like they did great, right? They're doing fine. But um, yeah. I, I just, I didn't have any of that guidance or mentorship. And I, I've done it the hard way for a long time, right? For, for yeah. 25 years. And I think I would just want to tell myself that, you know, number one, it's going to be okay. Like it's going to be like, it's going to work out. And number two is, is to stick to your, to your values, right? It was, especially in my industry, you know, you can kind of go the dirtbag route where you're selling like these high commission products or, you know, where you're, you're ripping clients off and where you're charging ridiculous fees. We never did any of that. And for a long time, it was like this, right, where I was below all of these people. And now mm -hmm. it's like, I mean, they're not even, they're not even in my rearview mirror. They're so far back, yeah, you know, so just, good. just kind of at every turn saying, no, I'm not going to do that um, was really, really hard to do in a lot of, in a lot of cases. Right. Yeah. Um, as, yeah. as you see other people who are successful and other people who are doing things you want to do and driving cars you want to drive and living in a neighborhood you love to live in. Um, and you're not at that point. Um, yeah. To be able to stick, to just stick to your values and it will be fine, um, I think is, is um, would have made my life a lot easier. Yeah, so good, man. What a, what a great <clears throat> message there for all young people, not just the younger Jason. I think the younger Chaz probably <laughs> could have been okay with that one too. Um, how can we find you? Uh, give us, give us uh, ways to connect. Uh, you actually have a couple ways here. Number one, if, if a financial services person or is either interested in joining or uh, they are just interested in becoming a financial service person, uh, representative, um, there's a way to, you know, to get in contact with you that way. Maybe they're not, but they want, they want to chat with you about building wealth and, and possibly connect with you that way. Or maybe they're just an entrepreneur. They want to, they want to chat with you business stuff. How can they find you? Yeah. So our, our website is uh, a quest, a Q U E S T a questwealth.com is a great way. Um, if you're just looking for content, if you're, if you're a business owner, who's like, how do I gain a little bit of wealth? Again, it's not going to be TikToky crypto to the moon. You know, it's going to be it's not going to be anything like that. But we have a great YouTube channel. Um, you know, it's got several hundred thousand views. Um, we we do totally different content on our Facebook page. Uh, so we encourage people to to maybe uh, join both of those. They're kind of for different audiences. Um, sure. So those are both really good ways if you just want some information. Um, again, if you're looking for some guidance on financial services, you know, like kind of how to. Again, I I, I would say you know the book is good. It's fun. You know, it's not boring and 
you know, if you're, if you're, if you want to try to better yourself financially and you don't know where to start, you know, go get, call me, I'll send you one for free, right? Email me and I will literally send you one for free, the PDF. Um, I don't care about ever making any money on it. I just, I think it's a great place to start for people who want to better themselves. Um, and if, if you, if you read the book and you, there's about seven different paths that I, that I try and tell people, all of these are good. If our path is the one that you think might be best for you, contact us, right? Yeah. And whether you have 120,000, we've got, we've got this great guy for you, right? Like Rob would love to work with you. If you've got $40 million, great. We have an entire separate team that will work with you, right? Or anyone in the middle. So if you're, yeah. if you're looking for some financial help and you want to just jump right to us, great. If you want, they'll read the book. I mean, because maybe we're not perfect for you. There's, there are other That's paths right. out there that might be good for some people. That's so, right. And if those paths are great for you, take them, right? And, and good luck. But if our path seems to be the one that makes sense, you know, don't hesitate to reach out through our website. Um, you know, there's a, a form in there that you can fill out and we'll get back to you within 24 hours. I love it. Well, we'll put all that in the show notes as well so that they can contact you and make it easy for them to get in touch with you. But Jason, you've been incredible. You have <clears throat> you have a disciplined mind and a disciplined business and family. Um, I commend you for all that you've done. Uh, congratulations on your success and a blessing to you and your family on all the future stuff that you're going to put your hand to. Thank yeah, you for being here. Likewise, Chaz. Thank you. And I've got one quick question. You've asked me a lot of really good questions. I have one for you. Yeah, sure. Think, you know, we talked about building that one skill that just other people can't win on. Is yeah. this your real voice or how much do you have to modulate it? <laughs> like, yes, <laughs> this is, <clears throat> yes, it's my real voice. Uh, it's funny because right. I have been, I've been told that my whole life. So maybe, it, maybe it's just the thing. <laughs> That's it. That I just needed to do if I had a podcast. You know? Yeah, this, this, is, is, this is it. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries, and now interviewing over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight and nine figure business owners is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1000 Kings specifically who are grateful, but not done. We're intentionally assembling Kings who fight tooth and nail for their business, family, and communities. And here's what we believe, that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas, that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy. So if that relates and, and resonates with you, and you know that you need people around you, sharp, qualified, other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.